scripture passage is a familiar passage from Isaiah chapter 11. It's sometimes called the peaceable kingdom. Hear these words from the 11th chapter of Isaiah. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the, of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, and with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, the infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. This is a prophetic image of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Well, if you are at all familiar with the artwork of my life, you know that I like to dabble a bit in anger. <laughs> Something inside me clicks, it snaps when the world around me isn't right, and I do what it takes to correct it. I'm not proud of this. It's not my best, most beautiful work. But sometimes it seems like it's all I have to give. And I resort to the quick, short brush stroke of anger. So I was eager to get to studying this week when I learned that our text was from the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> because typically prophets, they don't hold back. They let people have it. I only have to turn one page in my Bible to the 10th chapter of Isaiah to find these words. Thus says the Lord, O oh, my people who live in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians when they beat you with a rod and lift up their staff against you as the Egyptians did. For in a little while my indignation will come to an end and my anger will be directed to their destruction. Yikes. Then Isaiah recalls with great geographical detail, the names and the places of an assault by the Assyrian armies aimed at Jerusalem as its final destination. Isaiah says that the armies will shake a fist at Mount Zion at Jerusalem. They will hack down the thickets of the forest with an axe and Lebanon will fall thunderously. The end of chapter 10 is an image of desolation for God's people. The great cedars of Lebanon, 
these iconic images of strength are decimated. You and I, we are almost to the end of the year 2020. It's December. You know what I'm dreading? Those end-of-year highlight reels. <laughs> Could we not have those this year? I was supposed to celebrate my 50th birthday in Nashville in March, but before I was much aware of COVID, there were devastating tornadoes in Nashville, and that prevented my travel. My children took spring break from college, and they never returned to their college campuses. Fires in California destroyed many homes and threatened my mother-in-law's home. Economic uncertainty has caused a handful of my loved ones to lose their jobs. And it's true that we all still meet our day-to-day -day existence under the threat of a global pandemic. It feels to me like the forces out there have been shaking their fist at me and at my home for some time now. And I bet you feel the same way. I was helped this week by a teacher named Sharon Salzberg. She's a teacher of meditation. And maybe to me the most impressive thing about her is that while she lives in Massachusetts, she continues to counsel and help the people of Parkland, Florida, the community that survived the school shooting in February of 2018. So here's the piece of her teaching that is helpful to me. Suffering visits, but it does not stay. Suffering visits, but it does not stay. Salzburg says that greed and hatred and jealousy and fear, these things are not intrinsically who we are, but they visit us from time to time. They knock at our door. And what we do in response to that knock matters. So do we say to fear and to anger, Welcome home. The house is all yours. Or, or do we pretend that there's no one at the door, just ignoring vengeance and jealousy? It's not a wise tactic because they can scale the walls and come down the chimney. Greed, hatred, anger, jealousy, fear, sorrow, shame, they're all visiting forces and if this sounds like a Buddhist teaching to you, it's because the Buddha taught this. It's because of visiting forces that we suffer. The Buddha said that. If it bothers you that the sermon sounds Buddhist, I have two things to tell you. The first is it's true, and truth is truth. Suffering visits, it doesn't stay, it's true. But second of all, Isaiah said it first. Isaiah said it. He did. He said that suffering does not stay. It visits. The decimated, scorched stump of Jesse doesn't remain a scorched stump. Isaiah said it will sprout a shoot. And from those roots, those roots that are long-suffering, a branch will bear fruit. This branch... This new and ideal king will signal the reign of God. 
We believe that this king is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and he will rule with wisdom, with justice, with compassion. The reign of God will also be evident in the peaceful ordering of creation. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The cow will feed with the bear. John Oswalt wrote about this passage, the most helpless will be at ease with the most violent because fear will be removed. Oswald titled this section of his commentary, Whom Shall We Trust, God or the Assyrians? Who do we trust, God or the Assyrians, the attackers? To trust God, I believe, is what it is to have faith. I learned this from theologian Pete Enns, who teaches that the Greek word that gets translated in the New Testament as to believe or to have faith can also be translated to trust. And what the Apostle Paul calls, when the Apostle Paul calls people to believe, he is calling us to trust, to trust in the faithfulness of God. Let go of our tight grasp on control and trust the promises of God. Trust the promises of God that all things can and all things will work toward a peaceable kingdom. This week, this week I became quite taken with a piece of instruction from pastor and theologian Howard Thurman. He wrote these words, look at the world with quiet eyes. Quiet eyes are not angry eyes. Quiet eyes are not fearful eyes. They are not judgmental. They are not anxious. They are not ashamed or jealous. As near as I can tell, Thurman wrote these words as he reflected on the words of another prophet, the prophet Jeremiah, who spoke about trust in the Lord and used the image of trees. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, Happy are those who trust in the Lord, who rely on the Lord. They will be like trees planted by the streams, whose roots reach down to the water. They won't fear drought when it comes. Their leaves will remain green. They won't be stressed in the time of drought or fail to bear fruit. And then Thurman reflected this, the prophet pictures the man who depends on God, who has God for his confidence as a tree planted beside a stream, sending his roots down to the water. He has no fear of scorching heat. His leaves are always green. He goes on bearing fruit when all around him is barren, and he lives serene. In other words, in other words, such a person looks out on life with quiet eyes. You may have noticed in our, in our video at the beginning of the worship service, Walter Brueggemann, who is a prophet for our day, said that Advent is about wonder. Brueggemann is the theologian who said in the video that, that the angels said to the prophets, well, you ought to be filled with wonder because this is about wonder. Wonder is the stance of the faithful during Advent, and too often we lack it. Isaiah 11, though, tells us exactly how to get it. 
It's nestled in the middle of our passage in verse 6 of those 10 verses. A little child shall lead them. My advice to you is that this Christmas season be instructed by a child. Either become like a child or let a child teach you. Because trust and wonder are the key. And I think only children can help us to relearn these things. Children are masters of wonder and masters of trust. A friend of Dallas Willard's, a pastor named Roger Fredrickson, said that there was a time in his life when he was intellectually learning about the wonder and intimacy of the kingdom of God. And at that time, his eyes were opened to really strange and amazing things in his everyday life. He said that one day he was driving back from hospital visits and he noticed a boy who was walking on the sidewalk home from school, probably because he had a backpack and a lunchbox with him. But this child wasn't just walking. This child who was by himself was dancing. His arms were in the air. His knees were pumping. He was keenly aware of his freedom dancing. And Fredrickson said that he knew what he had before him was an image of the kingdom of God. A little child will lead them. I don't know about you, but I do find myself in the midst of a bleak midwinter season. It's like snow on snow on snow. What can I give? My heart. The answer is my heart. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you will in no way enter the kingdom of God. So you and I approach both Advent and we approach the Lord's table with wonder and trust this morning. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O God, who with your word and Holy Spirit created all things and you called them good. In Jesus Christ, your word became flesh and dwelt among us. Through Jesus' suffering and death, you took upon yourself our sin and death, and you destroyed their power forever. You raised from the dead the same Jesus who now reigns with you in glory and poured upon us your Holy Spirit, making us the people of a new covenant. On the night before meeting with death, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood. It's a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts 
that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this wine, we may know the presence of the living Christ and be renewed as the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by Christ's blood, until he comes in final victory and we feast at your table forever. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. There are no requirements to be met to take communion with this community. Well, the only requirement might be that you have to be able to open this pack. (laughs) There are two seals on this pack. The first seal is the bread and the second seal is the cup. This is the body and the blood of Christ. It's given for you. Amen.